And we are recording. And I apologize. I've got another computer running. So if you can hear the fan in the background. That's why. But if you're listening, you can't hear it. You don't give a shit. This is episode 894. Wednesday, August 31st, 2022 at 410 p.m. Eastern time. Returning is Frederick, who uh, personally believes that JFK should have been assassinated and that Moderna should be let off the hook. And hopefully his much more uh, his much more level-headed uh, counterpart, Mr. Kurt. What's your last name? Walker. Wookert. 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 Introduce yourself, man. <laughs> I'm Kurt Wookert Jr., uh, chief Bitcoin historian at CoinGeek.com, uh, CEO of Gorilla Pool and and consulting all over the blockchain space. Uh, I've been a Bitcoiner for about 10 years and talk about all of that nonsense pretty much full time. What's uh, what's behind you? What's the lit up thing behind you? Uh, there's actually the word lit here. There's, no, not, uh, not 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 lit. The other other shoulder. The uh, so oh, these are um, these are obsolete uh, Bitcoin mining ASICs. These are Antminer S9s. I thought it looked like a, yeah. like a graphics card or something. Yeah, and um, above that is a glowing banana. Like yeah. my, my company's Gorilla Pool, so we mine right. we mine bananas, not Bitcoins. Fair but, enough. You know. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, Frederick, the the Nazi apologist, who I, is on strike too already. I will not allow him to go on another Third Reich uh, rant on my pod. Obviously, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so did Frederick and I even get close to the truth, speculating about Satoshi and the NSA? <laughs> or was that all just smoke and crack talking shit? Um. It, it, yeah, it's actually close. I mean, NSA NSA is a, is actually a pretty good spot to start. Uh, I don't think NSA is the the sum total. Um, I also don't think three letter agencies in general are the sum total. But uh, I mean, you can talk about like SHA two fifty six is the algorithm that's used to mine Bitcoin, for example. Like that was created by the NSA, and it was used for doing various things for encrypting messages back and forth. Uh, so that's like a predicate technology for Bitcoin to exist in the first place. So you know, it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, would, would rockets exist without the Third Reich? And, you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but... <laughs> Probably not. Maybe. Yeah. It, it's easier to actually reading Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson right now. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of the scientists in Operation All Sauce, which later became Paperclip, mm-hmm. went over there and they're like, yo, these guys are 20 years ahead of us. So, like, yeah. we can do this all, like, ethically at, like, Aberdeen Proving Grounds. It was like, or we yeah. can just grab Hans and co and bring them back. So you can yep. co-opt the movement and to push it to your own ends. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I guess my gut feeling lies with NSA is that it wasn't full on orchestrated by men yeah. in a shadowy room, but it also wasn't just all flowers and good old roll up your yeah, sleeves, get to itness. I think it was probably started that way yep. and was co-opted by power. But sure. No, it it really is a both and. So I'm I'm actually under NDA. Uh, to create a documentary about that sort of hidden history of Bitcoin. So I have interviewed, I've interviewed about 15 people now who are quote unquote in the room or in various rooms. And um, the story really is wild. There there is absolutely an intelligence community aspect to all of this because I mean, we're talking about high level cryptography. So it's like, who, who knows high level cryptography? It's really only people that are doing, uh, you know, critical communications technology for uh, military intelligence or or high level business, but but even that, like nobody nobody that's really good at that stuff only does one job because mm-hmm. when you're that good, you just 
you take a consultant gig and some days you're working for the CIA and other days oh, you're working fuck for do you care. <laughs> right. Other days you're working for Bank of America or Ooh, whoever needs you to yeah. do something. But but yeah. Frederick, do you want to comment on this or are you just gonna are you just gonna silently stare at both of us? Well, when it comes to the history of Bitcoin, I leave the floor to Kurt. I thought I today my role will be the intermediate between you that is like a novice to Bitcoin and Kurt that maybe might go down, you know, uh, crypto lingo or blockchain lingo that you might or your audience might not understand. So I will try to help mitigate the waters, but I leave the floor more to Kurt because I've been on already twice. All right. I had my monologues. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and he has far more knowledge than me. And uh, he he didn't go into all the wealth of it, but Kurt has been uh, in Florida for the Ira Kleiman against Greg Wright case, which yeah. was uh, one of the biggest. Uh, well, he can talk about it himself, and now he's going to Oslo to Norway for another case for a month, I think, or something like that. So yep. he has a lot of knowledge, and he interviewed. Uh, the guy that was seen in a video on crypto leaks uh, yes. two days ago or one day ago. So way to completely Kurt, the floor is yours. Way to completely dox Kurt's location. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. I, I, I'm I'm in South Florida. Like Miami, Miami is a fine enough disambiguation. There's tens of millions I, of people to. I got into medical school there in 2013. All right. I didn't really belong there. I'm a white Irish guy and. A city of of tan guys and chrome Lamborghinis, so I didn't go. But, um, yeah, why wouldn't you have? Why wouldn't it have all the sexy tropes of a of a spy novel, right? Cryptography, one you just oh, need yeah. that. I mean, then leading the world in computers, right? I mean, who else has the? That's the beautiful thing about a, like a government intel agency. You don't have to show how it's profitable. You just have to say we need it, right? Manhattan yeah. Project wasn't profitable. Well, kind of was but like you can just fucking hey we print the money we're going to do the thing and then of course the money itself i mean look at the shadowy beginnings of the federal reserve fiat currency the petrodollar the weird coincidences of when third world dictators decide to go to gold back and all of a sudden they start getting a bunch of freedom delivered to them from fifty thousand feet yeah you're looking at the mechanism of control over the whole world is money all these things together money cryptography and computing power and anonymity, why wouldn't it point almost entirely to intelligence agencies? That's I get. Oh, that's oh, kind of sure. where I lean. No, I, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, some some of the stuff that, and I should preface this by the things that I'm about to say are contentious. They're hotly debated in the Bitcoin community, etc., etc., etc. But if you look at the creation of Bitcoin, if you look at like the, the groups of people that came together to do these things, most of them were absolutely Anon figures. And the work that went into them, I mean, this is this is guys like uh, Timothy May and, and some of these people that created like, so actually Tim May specifically, he wrote the, the Crypto Anarchy Manifesto and like basically explains a really short pamphlet. Uh, it's a few pages and, and basically explains like, hey, look, you know, computer... Computer code, cryptography, and our ability to communicate peer-to-peer -peer is, is a tool against these fools. It's a tool against um, being monitored, being oppressed. And, and you know, he, he inspired a, a generation of people that created things as simple as like PGP keys and some of these other things that allow people to just send secure email and stuff today. And, and today, this stuff is actually just integrated into most things. You don't even realize you don't have to be a cypherpunk in order to have encrypted communications with people anymore. And that's 
awesome. That's a huge spillover benefit. But if you go to the guys who actually built Bitcoin specifically, uh, I, I think the two most important characters, uh, so there's one, there's Dr. Craig Wright, who's an Australian computer scientist um, who was himself a cybersecurity professional. He was a digital forensics expert uh, and doing work for Australia, UK, and US intelligence agencies, primarily hunting high-level international criminals, human traffickers, that sort of thing. Um, and he was breaking them down by basically doing forensic audits of their books. And he realized, okay, so if I'm a multi-billionaire, let's just say a Jeffrey Epstein archetype, not, not Jeffrey Epstein specifically, but what you picture. Like, okay, how does a guy like Jeffrey take money from, you know, the Clintons or the Gates family or whatever else and, and do something with it in order yeah. to, you know, be able to spend it, save it, whatever, but not get it taken away and not get himself indicted. Now, in, in a situation like Epstein, it's lining the pockets of various judges, attorneys general, et cetera. Um, you know, but then, you know, you have to, you have to keep dragging people to your island and giving them a, you know, a 14 year old girl and that kind of thing. And now it's, now you got them by the balls, but Ultimately, Jeffrey Epstein is out of the picture today. So, I mean, he, he probably lost that battle. And Craig, Craig looked at that sort of archetypal person and said, okay, how are assholes like this able to sit and launder money to create you know, this, this environment where heinous crime is the MO and just get away with it for years and years and years? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you're a high level dude, like you can just open up an account with some corrupt banker who works at a place like HSBC or whatever else and say, ah, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll start up a couple layers of shell companies and we'll just want, like, these are all consulting fees back and forth and whatever. And, and it, it just goes away. And so Craig, um, Craig wanted to solve problems like that. So global auditability, uh, stopping people's ability to do criminal malfeasance uh, using of what's ultimately dark rails currently. So I, I think it's actually funny. A lot of people think of it like we need this absolute privacy anonymity and stuff in order to be free, but it's actually, you know, if you look at privacy and anonymity tools, they're typically used by the bad guys in order to do really bad things a lot more than, you know, you the or I are trying to... figures. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so there's an interesting thing there and like creating the incentive model to, not just to have better relationships, but to also have better um, better use of data and better use of that money. So it solves two problems. It solves that whole Federal Reserve, like, hey, is there another $30 trillion in the market than there was six months ago? Like, don't know, can't tell, but, you know, milk got really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but then also that that auditability for the sake of, of of tracking down criminals. So it solves two problems. Like, you know, you don't want to just give a shotgun to to every prick on earth, but if you can incentivize the better people to have more access consistently, then it's like, okay, like there will be problems. Obviously, bad people will also have these tools, but they won't be able to use the tools as easily as good people will. And Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin is that. Bitcoin is that system. And so he he wrote the white paper. He he uh, created created the code and the initial. The initial stuff, along with help, he had editing help from a number of people. Uh, they're guys whose names you don't hear often, but uh, Ray Dillinger, uh, Dave Kleiman was his close friend and editor. Uh, but Dillinger and a guy named Hal Finney, who is often brought up in the Bitcoin conversation, but 
uh, Hal, Hal is an interesting character too. Uh, also, you know, cypherpunk libertarian, you know, that kind of guy. And, um, basically it was that crew of guys and probably two or three others that, uh, tried it out, propped it up, ran the first nodes, like sent the first transactions and like, holy cow, we just created, we created money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's kind of a, there's kind of a similarity between that and like, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, sorry, I'm screening. Frederick, your camera's blinking like on and off. Um, yeah, it's something with the light or so. I don't know. Wait, we're fine. Um, Re reboot it, sorry. man. It's, uh, <laughs> but it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like the creation of the internet, right? ARPANET for uh, nuclear bunkers to coordinate with one another yeah. in a decentralized fashion so that a Soviet decapitation strike wouldn't be effective. Yeah. And then it blossomed from that to like dick pics and cat memes right but it's like it's the same thing now in some sense you are you are accurate if you say it was started by a secret government aid sure arpa before it was darpa for nuclear bunkers of which the existence was denied to coordinate with one another very much so that is a james bondian thing yeah but it also then sort of leaked out and became what it is now for us three motherfuckers to be talking to each other. So in the same way, it doesn't have to be a, an either or it can be an and in that it might've started as something shadowy or something private. It certainly is not that anymore. The very fact that us three are talking about it says no. it's not that anymore. The fact that I can go buy Bitcoin right now says it's not that anymore. Yeah. Do you think there's any accuracy to that hypothesis that it began sort of quote unquote in a lab and just like from ARPANET to mm -hmm. cat memes, now we're here? No, I, I think absolutely. I mean, we, we saw it go from, you know, something that was discussed very specifically in cryptography forums among computer science, like edge case experts. To now, you know, the typical person, I mean, you can, you can go to the local grocery store, ask 50 people if they've heard of Bitcoin, and I'm willing to bet 90% of them have at least heard of Bitcoin. And so that's, that's a, that's a steep adoption curve in, in 13 years. But, um, I think in the meantime, it's, it's similar, uh, you know, like it went from ARPANET stuff, you know, like this is, this is specifically nuclear, you know, a remediation policy tool to, to like you said, you know the cat memes and dick pics, and I, I think Bitcoin's done much the same thing. It's it's become, um, you know, sort of dipped in milk, sort of thing. And like, okay, now everybody can have a little bit in their portfolio and go ahead and get your Coinbase account and blah blah blah. It's become, um, it's become a sort of you know castrated version of of what it was even intended to be, and it really was intended to be a disruptive cash system. It was supposed to be something that took down borders to commerce so that that people that wanted to do business were able to do it in a way that was you know, unstoppable remove tons and tons of friction from things like swift and ach and whatever else but without requiring the like hey i've got a guy on you know two sides of a weird border and, and that's how the money jumps right and so um you know like we don't think of well, some people still think of bitcoin that way but it really it, it hasn't been that in a long time and so i think on the on the one hand, there is some some good that's come from a little bit of like the regulatory clarity and some of that stuff, but but ultimately it also castrated a lot of what it was meant to be, and it was a truly disruptive cash system. And so now, 
you know, when people think about Bitcoin in the first place, they almost entirely think of it as an investment vehicle, like, and that's it. It's, it's something designed to disrupt my portfolio. It's like a good stock pick. Um, and that's fun, but it's not nearly as fun as like disrupting global finance and, and cash markets and, and eliminating really bad payment rails that have been around since the 1970s. It's kind of like being so detached that you're just like making bets on like war. Like, uh, like I'll, I'll, a uh, hundred bucks says, uh, the China invades Taiwan by October. And your friend's like, I think that's pretty optimistic. I say November. And it's like, we're talking about, I mean, this is real principle beginning the next world war. And it's kind of being so removed as to be like, I think it will be a B2 spirit and maybe a trident nuclear warhead. Is that, and is that, but is that then the most evolutionarily fit thing that it does turn into something yeah. that it's it's meant to be this and you're going fuck off boost my portfolio is that evolution going well how does this become the next thing and it's you would have to sort of be available to the npcs to the normies guys that aren't doing some a uh, moving you know five-year-old girls to epstein island and then back up to new york but rather just like oh i can retire a year earlier right uh, I, you know, I, I, obviously there's, there's that argument can be made. And I think in many ways it's fair, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's also important not to, you know, not to give up the revolution just, just because either. And and that's my concern is that it's gone too far. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. I've been a business owner my whole life. I, you know, I don't get to be the, like, I'm not a guy living in a bunker and, and waiting for doomsday. And so um, I, I think that it matters both directions. Like I do want grandma to have some Bitcoin in her wallet. Like that's, that's not a problem for me, but, uh, but I also want, you know, your, your typical TikTok zoomers or whatever to be actually spending it between each other and do, doing things that I couldn't have thought to do when I was 15. Right. And the problem is we're not seeing that we're only seeing people with it in their portfolio. The daily transactions across all blockchains is dismal there's 20,000 blockchains on earth and only a few million transactions a day globally and most of them are nonsense most of them are to and from exchanges and so uh it's almost everybody just using it as a as a weird asymmetric investment vehicle which is is a use case that is good but it the fact that it's the only thing that's being disrupted by and large is uh i think problematic and then i, I think what it does is it actually gives that uh you know, the camel's nose under the tent to allow regulators to show up and say, mm, yeah, th- this is all just investment fraud and, t- and tax fraud and tax evasion and all these things. And then it really, really sucks when really shitty regulators are right that it's only being used for, you know, for, for that. And then it makes it very difficult for people like me to be like, well, but here's all the stuff it could be for. And it's like, Hey dude, you've had 13 years and it's not really being used for any of that. You're just you're just money laundering. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 It's uh. Yeah. It's it's having tinted windows in your car, and you're like, "Hey, dude, it's great. The sun doesn't come through as much, but it's like it's also being used by human traffickers." And it's like, "Oh, right. Well, fuck. Right. Um, Whoops. Yeah. But okay, are we just looking at this though in a super zoomed in time frame? Where, I mean, I guess from one, where the the first like cathode ray tube TVs. And, you know, then they turn into like the bubble TVs and then color and then you have the bunny or the rabbit ears and then they become those those huge hulking monsters of like the 90s and then they become flat screens, LCD, LED, OLED, QLED, bendable, 3D. Yeah. Where 
at first glance, you'd be like, hey, this is really only probably again, probably being used in like nuclear bunkers. Like, hey, this is being used to like the president to talk to the deputy secretary of defense. Give it enough time, run the simulation. And all of a sudden it's me with a screen in front of me in 2022 doing this podcast. Yeah. Could it just be a time thing where you say it's mostly just disrupting portfolios between exchanges and not between Zoomers? Is it just because it's not that yet, or is is it just is it just fucked? No, I I, I think it's very specifically uh, corporate market collusion. Like if if you were to right. wind back to 2013, 14, this is when I got involved in Bitcoin. Like my my first big jump was uh, the 2012 to 2014 cycle, where it was. 20 bucks a coin at the beginning and it was uh went all the way to like almost $1100 a coin and then went all the way back to about $100 a coin again uh in this big bubble and the reason for that bubble was just a bunch of nonsense but but if you look at what what occurred in that era it was companies like Steam the gaming company was accepting bitcoin Microsoft announced yeah we're going to accept bitcoin for software sales and this and that and like so you started to see all of a sudden like Oh, Bitcoin could be money and it's easy to use. And like companies like BitPay exploded because they were like, hey, we, we've integrated with Ingenico gateways for, for credit card use. And we, we'll just use those rails to do Bitcoin payments and some of these cool things. And like, it, it, I mean, it was massive. And then all of a sudden you, you started to get a really heavy pushback that that's not what Bitcoin is for. Bitcoin isn't a payments technology to which I'm looking at it and like, well, what the hell else would it be, right? You know, and, and so th this narrative shifted to, no, it's only for investment. So there is a, a large set of the community. In fact, I would argue the majority of the community in the Bitcoin space would look at me and say, Bitcoin is clearly not a payments technology, Kurt, stop lying. <laughs> they will say it is specifically savings technology, uh, which is bonkers. It ignores all kinds of things from the, the Bitcoin white paper and the writings of Satoshi Nakamoto and like known public conversations between all these early Bitcoiners with the creator and all this other stuff. But but I didn't even realize it at the time, but I realized it a little bit later, getting into like 2016 and 17 after a bunch of the stuff just got really toxic, that there was a, a number of big venture capital firms that were in the payment space. So these are the kind of people that are like, you hear the PayPal mafia or the, you know, the, the people that ended up becoming things like Venmo and Zelle and some of these other payments technologies, as well as uh, one of the major credit card companies, MasterCard specifically, started to create incubator groups in the Bitcoin space and say, okay, we're going to start a, these kind of investment companies that can pull some strings. We're going to employ Bitcoin developers, influencers, exchanges, wallets, all these other things, all these little startups that are hurting for cash because Bitcoin's all just nonsense right now. And we're going to say, look, we'll pay you a Silicon Valley level developer salary, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year plus benefits, whatever else. You can be a professional Bitcoin developer for your full-time job. But here's the problem. It's not a payments technology. So you need to design it to be this very specific trading and investment technology only. Convince people that it's for saving. Build up the Ponzi scheme. Build it into bubbles. There's a lot of money there. We'll make sure that all of our banking friends and all of our other VCs go ahead and pump liquidity into those markets. But it is not a payments technology. And so very quickly, there was a, an AstroTurf civil war, basically, among people like myself who are like, 
hey man, you can't just gaslight me into forgetting all of the stuff that, you know, like that the entire establishment of this culture was built on and act like that wasn't real. Uh, but then it, it was such a small community that now today, I mean, the community in Bitcoin has gone up by probably a factor of a thousand times. And so, you know, you get all these people who have only been in Bitcoin for, you know, two years, three years, four years, five years. And they're just like, I don't know. I got a Coinbase account and I bought some and I have some and it's made me really rich. I've made a lot of money on it. I wish I bought more. Everybody's sitting there saying, man, I really wish I bought more at, at this point in my life. Right. And so now I'm the guy who looks like the crazy guy back there saying like, well, I remember when, you know, Microsoft accepted it as payment. You used to be able to spend Bitcoin at Subway restaurants in the United States, you know? I th I'm pretty sure my older brother spent like 10 Bitcoin on a pizza or something. <laughs> it's still, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and there's lots of stories like that. And, and the thing is, is like, these these are things that have been whitewashed. They've been eliminated from the history by most people. And- I still talk about them because it still matters. Like the, the real story of Bitcoin deserves to be told. And like, I've benefited immensely from it being a, a fantastic investment, but I want the world to benefit from having a peer-to-peer -peer digital cash system that is unstoppable. And there's been very little exploration done into any of that for many, many years. And it's because of this, this influx of retail investors that have been told that it is thing X and not thing Y. And then it's been, you know, it's worked out really wonderfully for companies like MasterCard, who today you know, are, I think they're a top three patent holder in the blockchain space, but all their patents are around MasterCard issued central bank digital currency assets using blockchain technology. And so they're looking at it and saying like, hey, let's figure out a way to profit from being a supplier to the Federal Reserve using this technology and completely get rid of this notion of a decentralized money that would have solved all those problems without us having any control. And so that's the, I think that's the, that's the real problem for me with the way that things have played out is that they've played out real dirty. So. Could you argue though, that whether it should be this or whether it should be that, whatever it is, is what it was meant to be. And I know that sounds like a shitty riddle, but like, <laughs> is that not, it's like if someone could, you know, reasonably argue that five-wheeled vehicles are better than four-wheeled. It could be like, sure, maybe, but why is it that, like, four wheels have been adopted on every continent for the last century? At a certain point, you don't have to look at it and go, like, whatever it is, is the thing that the hidden hand, and I'm just playing devil's advocate to you, it is sure. the thing that's guiding, and it's the, if it was so much more beneficial uh, to people for it to be a, a payment program or a payment system rather than an investment thing, then it would become that. But the, but profit is the, you know, the, the cold, hard red pill is like, it is, that is evolution. It's what is, it's what is meant to be. It's just what it is. YouTube is slowly killing itself through censorship. It will take another decade, sure. but they're slowly killing themselves through it. In 10 years, you can't say, well, it should be YouTube. You go, well, it's not. Right. It should right. be Instagram, but it's TikTok. It's just I know they're brain dead, but hey, it's what it fucking is. They're printing money. Right. Is it just is it that that sure you're looking at it? You're an intelligent guy and you're looking at it as like it should be this. But ultimately, if like my boomer parents are just looking at it and it's a way to increase the the, the portfolio, then that's what it's really meant to be. 
I, to that, I, I always say the truth isn't a popularity contest. You know, like this is the Fair exact enough. same thing that people say about like the constitution, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, well, if the constitution was powerless to stop this nonsense, maybe it was a shitty document to start. Sure. Sure. That's fair. Maybe yeah. it is, but yeah. there's still a principle underlying there somewhere that is probably worth fighting for, lest we all be ruled by, yeah. you know, non non gender conforming blue haired, yeah. you know, commie executioners. Green haired, <laughs> would just, just whale dykes screaming about being a heterosexual. No, sure, right? It's yes. it's. Well, I always use the argument when people are like, "The Soviet Union would have worked," but you know, there were Western powers manipulating it. And it's like, well, you don't live in a vacuum. If you were the right. best, you would have been so good at counterintelligence, you wouldn't have let that happen. And that didn't yeah. happen. But there's also like, you know, if if murder is so bad, we would have found a way to stomp it out. And it's like, people are still getting away with it. It doesn't mean that like, you know, objectively, we probably shouldn't all try to like continue a rule of law and form of society where it's not that easy to go slit somebody's throat for a gallon of milk. Right. So. No, you're right. I mean, it's it's not a popularity contest. It it should yeah. be something else. Yeah. 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 And also to add to that, um, I think that there are many instances in history where the truth might have been buried or uh, you know, the better marketing won out. Usually the better product wins eventually, but it this is like if you look at it compared to the internet, we're still probably in the 90 area or something like that. So it's still very early. And what we talked about, the difference between BTC, BCH, and BSV, the three different versions of Bitcoin, it's not 100% clear which one will win out for right now. There's what I consider the, our time warner of its time, like the biggest merger, billions and billions in market capitalization. But I think the tech just doesn't work. And there's a reason for it that Kurt can allude to better than I could. Uh, but I talked about it in the last episode. I think there has been basically uh, a, a collaboration of people trying to suppress it. And that's the reason yeah. why this specific narrative won out. It's a narrative yeah. that's not benefiting people, but more speculators or more so almost like criminals and people that found ways to suppress the new tech to benefit off it. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, what was it in like the early 20 teens, 2010s when like the, I think the Koch brothers back before one of the demons died, they were like heavily like making sure like no solar panels could go up in Florida. But he was like, they put up so much red tape, but it's the fucking sunshine state. And it's, right. To counter my argument, it's like, hey, just because they've effectively like outlawed solar doesn't mean it's the right thing, right? I mean, you know, you could you kill off the guys that make engines that run on water. Doesn't mean fossil fuels like are the way. Not to sound like some fucking hippie, but no, you're right. I mean, just because you've dominated out doesn't mean that's the way to go. Um, to play like wild, so you said in the hypothetical, like let's pump this thing up, right? You get all the banking friends and. VPs to, to dump money or VCs or whatever the fuck, VC or VP, oh, because that'd be venture capitalist, right? Yeah, v- I thought you were talking about. Capital. I thought you, I wasn't sure if you were talking about like vice presidents of like company. I'm retarded. You're talking about this whole thing to pump it full of liquidity, right? To get yeah. that bubble going, and then you you know you pump and dump. Let's say I'm just, just basically say, uh, that's what we've seen with Heather in the past. They they used ways to prop up. Bitcoin and probably other cryptocurrencies 
Um, yeah, maybe we can go into that with Kurt, uh, if you could well, be so kind and give a short introduction of what is believed to be the case with Heather and the markets. Well, um, before before that though, but like, so let's just say I'm I'm a, I'm someone that doesn't own any Bitcoin. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm indifferent to it. Um, let's say I'm hypercritical of 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 Kurt, and you're sitting here and you're going like, it's great, we should all be in on it. But to go back ten minutes, and this is just me playing devil's advocate, saying that you know if we get people to dump money into it, dump liquidity into it, then it will be benefit us all. How do I not know that, you know, someone like you or someone similar to you is talking about what it should be and how it should be, and we should all dump money into it? And I'm going, well, it's not the mainstream thing, but this guy said it. There are people with direct interests in having more people use it as a payment processing. So, you know, if somebody starts trying to hawk timeshares to me and they're convincing me it's the best thing and the reason why the world hasn't adopted timeshares is because they're behind the times. But, Tommy, you're you're a fucking forward thinker, and I dump $100,000 into a fucking cabin in Montana, and de a decade later I'm wondering why I'm still getting the shaft. Yeah. What, what would you say to, to, to a hypothetical critic? And, again, I'm just making all this up. I don't give a sure. shit. <laughs> Someone's like, hey, what the fuck? Hey, Kurt's going to directly benefit from this. What's there? To, why would someone not believe that? So, yeah, actually, I think that's the right response. I, I think almost everybody in the, in the space is, you know, just a like a severe conflict of interest. I mean, I I state my biases like I'm I'm a relatively well known Bitcoin commentator, and everybody knows I'm a BSV advocate, and so there's an assumption there that BSV is the thing that I'm trying to shill or yeah. pump or whatever. Sure. Um, the difference for me is, you know, if, if you look at what everybody else is doing, these other influencer types and whatever else is they are out there specifically telling you to go out there and buy this coin, buy my coin, man. Yeah. This is going to change This is the life. fucking one Tom Brady coin. Uh, yes. It's going to liberate you. And I do nothing by contrast. I do nothing but tell people to stop buying coins. You don't need to buy them. They're not intended to be an investment vehicle and nothing about them is, is fundamentally uh, designed to, to pump. And so I, I've told people for years, like, man, do, do all your research and realize that almost everybody is lying to you and that the opportunity is in business. So I very specifically say that the, the real people that should be looking at this are people that have a payments friction problem globally, or if you have a data integrity problem globally. And if, if those two things can be solved with, with BSV in, in my estimation, but, but by any blockchain really, um, well, any blockchain that can scale, uh, but if, if you have business, if you have economic value that can be unlocked by those two things, then, then the opportunity is there for you. But it's a business opportunity, it's not an investment opportunity. And I think that's a key differentiator that makes me separate from 99% of everybody else. So I, I will tell you, like, I do not want retail money. I don't want grandma's money. I don't want Hank, the hardware store owner to be putting his pension into Bitcoin. Like that's all nonsense. I think all of that is literally predatory. Um, however, if, if you're a company like in the data science business or whatever, and if proof of work data is more valuable than not proof of work data, then you're, you're a business user of the technology go buy yourself five grand worth of coins for your company to use in order to create billions of other dollars in your real business. And so that's the, that's the, the big difference with me. 
but then doesn't it come down to like the I guess the what word about the incentive of the individual if I'm Hank the hardware store owner and I'm still working at my hardware store and I'm 75 and I'm like I'm fucking ready to be finished mm-hmm. and there's a reasonable chance that I'm going to get a great return on Bitcoin why would he give a, he might watch this and go shut the fuck up buy <laughs> and he buys and he cashes out 10% higher and he wouldn't be wrong are you sure. not ask, asking people to directly go against their best interest it's like if someone came out and they're like i know he's a he's a meme lord but do not buy any tesla and i'm like that may be true however i know apple uses slave labor in china i'm going to continue using an imac for my podcast right it's probably not moral but it's cheaper and it works better for my podcast and i'm going to use it the end sure at a certain point you're not asking and this is again just me playing devil's advocate you're not asking people to go against their direct uh their direct interests i i don't think so and and the reason why is because most of these coins like it, this is i've been through three bull and bear cycles and the overwhelming majority of coins the hot coins of the of the cycle are gone the next cycle and those are the <laughs> coins that are most likely to bring in mom and pop sort of investors so you do get people that are like hey we put in 20 30 40 50,000 of our savings money we were up immensely, and then all of a sudden, it was just, it's gone. We lost ninety nine point nine percent of our value, and like, hey, is is you know, whatever is Pizza Coin ever coming back, Kurt? <laughs> you know, and the response is like, no, no, you have been rug pulled, you have been destroyed. You, you were the ex liquidity for some predatory developer. All right, and now the only exceptions there are a couple of key exceptions here, and right now it is BTC and Ethereum. Uh, that if you had played those long-term, you've done very, very well for yourself. And so on those two situations, I don't believe they are different. And I don't believe that I'm wrong. I just haven't been right yet. <laughs> and so I, both of them have a serious economics problem. E- Ethereum solves or claims to solve a problem which it can't solve because it can't scale. So it's like this global computer, like all of these things, like it's the it's a decentralized computer that anyone can use. And it's just not true. It, it literally can't be that the tech doesn't work. People just haven't really realized it yet. And then with BTC, it's the same thing. It, it can't be money for the world. And even if they just wanted people to invest, like to get even just the first world, if you just get the like two ish billion people that live in, you know, places that have running water, electricity and internet use, like, the, the, the technology is so stifled as it is, it, it, there's just no, it, it doesn't work. And the economics of it are broken and people just haven't realized it yet because it's still in its sort of nation or nascent niche phase of its adoption curve. But it will do the same thing. It will screw you eventually. <laughs> but now aren't we also kind of approaching like the government nanny state in that you know, like you have to have Alex Jones out there because he's right on some stuff, but he's also wrong on that. You know, sure. rep- reptilian hybrids are sacrificing kids to mold. If he's yes. right, I mean, listen, we're fucked. But you have to have that, right? Yeah. Because you have to have a, a populace that is able to discern. We can't just look at it and go, is it misinformation or is it real? Government said it's real. We're good. Well, no. I mean, right. in 2003, if Twitter existed and you said, hey, guys, I think that this is just a money grab. I don't think there are any WMDs there. You'd right. be banned right away. So 
But the reason why misinformation is important is because it's existed since the dawn of time. And like a like a virus that, you know, you vaccinate from and you get stronger from by dealing with bullshit, by dealing yeah. with a cheating girlfriend, by dealing with a backstabbing friend over time, you learn to you learn to see them. You don't need mom and dad or the government nanny state looking over your shoulder. Again, just playing. I'm not trying to go head to head with you on all this stuff. I just play devil's yeah. advocate for that's what I do on the podcast is. Is this not entering nanny state to where it is your freedom to come to the United States and you can lose all your fucking money on a bad investment, but that's also kind of the casino of America. You can come here sure. and like, hey man, you can come here and fucking invest in whatever the fuck and it blows through the AOL. Like, what is AOL? And you come here and invest your money and then you're fucking cashed out. That's also the beauty of America is like you can come here it is. and play the roulette game by saying that like this is predatory, like you shouldn't do that. But that's also like now we're kind of getting into the whole the freedom aspect where is it just some some Marxist blue haired land whale saying that's predatory. And it's like, but it's also a way to just fucking, you know, multiply your money by a magnitude of five. No, I I know it absolutely is. And and I should I I should be very clear. I've I've been very successful at playing shitcoin cycles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But 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 at the same time, you know, I, I've been telling people because it's always it's it's inevitable that I get you know, like my friends I went to high school with or, you know, I'm at Thanksgiving and, you know, my great aunt is asking, hey, Curtis, now the time to get. And it's like, no, it really isn't. And they're like, but the, it's just it's like it chaps my ass. How bad? <laughs> but, how bad this investment cycle sure. wrecks everybody. And then and then they're all looking at me like did Kurt lie to me? And it's like, no, I've been telling you not to buy. Like I've been, I tell you to buy every time it's quiet for years. And then you, you only ask me after it's gone up a thousand X and I tell you, no, and you act like I'm the bad guy. Well, I mean, it's like, I, <laughs> I would, I'd still tell people to this day to not follow your dreams. Right. I got into medical school. It's, it ripped the soul out of me to get in. And then as a senior, after I did a bunch of mushrooms, I realized that I wasn't happy and I wanted to be my own boss <clears throat> over the next Six nice. years of truly indescribable horror and depression and failure. I built this podcast and now I'm a thousand times happier than I would be as a doctor. I make yeah. a good amount of money. I'm, I literally wake up at noon every day. I play video games for a healthy six hours a night. I do whatever the fuck. I, if I want to take a day off, I just take a day off. Yep. If someone asked me, well, then shouldn't I be my own boss? I would say absolutely not because I think I've, I think there was a lot of luck in it. And I think I tried hard, but I think I also like threw snake eyes and I just lucked out. I would tell people not to follow your own dreams. Now, would I ever go back to going to be a doctor? Absolutely fucking not because my life now is incredible compared to them. So in the same way, if I see you telling me not to invest and I'm like, but you've done well. And you're like, oh, fucking I've made a killing. Like you have to at least see where someone would be like, well, hold the fuck on, you know? No, for sure. The The problem is, and again, I I don't I have no fucking stance on this. I don't give a shit. I'm just I'm just crit- I'm just criticizing you to make it an interesting podcast. No, no, no. It, and and it's good information. And and here's the thing. Like I I think most of the stuff about like accredited investors and stuff is bullshit too. Yeah. Like the requirement to be an accredited investor is a way to keep Wall Street guys able to front run retail forever. Yeah. yeah. And and so yes, like I'm like, I don't want to come across, like, it, it, I, I do absolutely have this sort of anachronistic relationship with, with crypto because people look at me and they're like, ah, Kurt's such a fucking prick and he's a bear about everything and, and this and that. And it's like, like, 
ah, but buddy lives on a you know on a beach house and you know <laughs> like you, all this other... like wait you're you're doing what Kurt? well i'm retired in miami right <laughs> and i should keep working at this warehouse job in duluth georgia right why <laughs> well it's listen tom i know you're making door frames for seven dollars an hour in a 120 degree warehouse but i'm telling you this is not the way to go as i just hear the waves crashing and you're fucking wherever the fuck no exactly <laughs> i don't uh, know it's, well and it's it's just it's so difficult because again it's the it's the exit liquidity like it's people like that are always going to be the exit liquidity of people that are front running the game and it's always going to be insiders because you get these developers who you know they come up with an idea and they go ahead and get some venture capital and they get some guys who are like hey look we'll give you 10 percent of the token supply you give us like 10 million bucks we'll spend all that money on like marketing and partnerships and we'll get the like hey we got endorsed by you know all these different relevant things and blah 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 and then all of a sudden it's like look this is going to do 20,000 percent we all cash out and like by the time we get to there like that right so it's they're fucking everybody's eyeballs out yeah and then and then they exit and then it's like and then they have the audacity to you know show up at conferences in a lambo and and say, say the same thing like they get up on stage and like i'm gonna teach you how to invest and it's like you didn't invest you just scammed everybody you just built a ponzi scheme like that's not investing but again that's kind of you have to beat people over the head like that's but that's kind of like part yeah. of society is like hey man if it's if it's 1820 and you know you know it's going to take a year and probably going to cost you your life to try to take a wagon out to the west coast but everybody and their mother's making gold that's your that's your freedom to decide you know if i'm it up is. at no, three in the I morning agree. snorting adderall and i see some guy come on tv and he's like, hello, like my name's like my name's Hans. Like, I have a hundred trillion dollars, right? And it's just some guy, it's the infomercial, and it's got all the the girls and the bikinis and the Ferraris. The sucker's gonna say, Yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna work. But everyone knows, like, don't you don't listen to an infomercial. Like, don't listen to that. Right. That's also kind of just and I say this as someone that's never been burned by an investor. So I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't really have any investment in it, no pun intended. But is that not part of it? Is that like you're free Man. to be a sucker. I I guess. <laughs> I don't even agree with what I'm saying. No, I'm with you. A... I don't want to see people fucked out of this. I'm no, with you. No, no. I, I just, I look I, at where's it. Where's the line drawn? So here's the thing. I do not think that there should be a regulatory agency that just doesn't allow poor people to invest in things. <laughs> However, that, that agency already exists and it's called the SEC and FINRA and yeah. some of these other things. And so... Like th those things suck. And like, you know, I'm coming at this as, a, as the kind of guy who like, you know, my, my grandma used to spend or used to send money to every like late night televangelist that she ever saw. Like yeah. he'd, he'd perform some healing miracle on somebody. And I'd be, I'd be the one looking at that and being like, God, what a fucking scammer. And my grandma yeah. would already be on the phone, giving her credit card to, you know, Benny Hinn or whoever. Oh, yeah, no, and, and, you're, like, and it's, it's predatory and, I mean, I remember my grandma, like, I forget what she bought, but I mean, as she, you know, as she was slowly succumbing to dementia and I see this yeah. as my great, like a woman of God, an incredibly moral person. Yeah. And I see that and I'm like, and here's some schmuck in Vegas. No, I'm with you. It's, it's utterly fucked. Yeah. It's, but it's, again, I don't even agree with this, but it is sort of the line of like, 
trading liberty for safety. Sure. No, it really yeah. is. But, then, but, but I think in this case, um, one of the reasons why I'm kind of an advocate or uh, try to speak about this topic, and certainly why uh, Kurt is in the scene, is that we believe there's merit to the technology itself that yeah. is not being used. And obviously, from an incentive model, if I make money with something, I'm going to defend it. And if I lose money on something, I'm probably angry about it. So in the case of some of the cryptos uh, where people got filthy rich, those are, you know, looked up upon, um, but, you know, there, there's no substance to it. It was mostly like playing the lottery. And in the case that we discuss here, it's not really about whether you should buy this ticket or this lottery ticket. It's about look at the possibilities of this tech in the early 90s. And if you look closely, maybe you find opportunities to build on top and, you know, build companies in that space or uh, find ways to utilize uh, the technology for yourself. Uh, and I think we're so early that we cannot really show you all the possibilities live. There are some instances of startups being built upon that work right now. So it's kind of, as I mentioned, the early days of the internet where I tell you, like, there will be theaters and like uh, stadiums full of gamers uh, watching one gamer play for the world championships and you would be like well we're in 1998 uh, there's no chance somebody would watch some nerds play games you know right. and then 20 years later and everybody is doing it and you're uncool right. you're I could have been a gaming. professional Mortal Kombat uh <laughs> <laughs> athlete <laughs> yeah. why go become an anesthesiologist you could just be pooty right. like and those are the problems of today honestly yeah. like some very smart and talented people they don't go become an actor anymore or a doctor if they can give good you know medical advice they might start a youtube channel if they're like a good gamer they might not even compete in tournaments they do video yeah. streams right now sure so uh yeah i think the, the world has changed I think to to summarize my point, it's not to it's not to criticize people who have gotten wealthy. I think that that's all good. I'm, I'm sure. happy for literally everyone that's gotten wealthy because of you know buying the right bag at the right time. I I think my my criticism is that when that becomes the nature of the culture, we lose the ability to do all of the other stuff. And like this is the same thing with the Constitution, right? Like if if we if we just abuse the constitution and then bicker about it then it just makes lawyers really powerful people yeah. lawyers become politicians and it's like hold on yeah. i was supposed to be able to secede anytime that i wanted to did we yeah. forget about that part and it's like well you better you can bring that up with a lawyer and a politician and it's like no i don't need to do that and it's like but i do and it's because we 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 let ourselves lose that battle but before any of us were born and so yeah. i think that's why this is crucial so you're kind of like, you're kind of like Eisenhower in '61, and you're like, you're right. like, you're like, beware the crypto industrial complex, uh, unwarranted power and courthouse. Pretty and much, every, yes. and everyone's yes. like, oh fuck this conspiracy theorist, right. five star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces. What the yeah, fuck does he know? What would he know? And now we're looking back and we're like, huh, Nam, Korea, Gwat, right. and we're like, ugh, that's, yeah, you know. Yeah, now I get push notifications from the goddamn White House. Yeah, and now it's like, yeah, now it's like tweet that I should be I should be allowed to secede, and it's like, you want to count down before the fucking FBI no knocks you, shoot right. your dog. 
Yeah. <sighs> um, hey, I got to go piss uh, Kurt or Frederick, whoever, monologue. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we got to try and uh, get at least a few points out today before we get uh, into the next uh, derailed conversation. Um, it's just uh, a tricky situation where you want to kind of introduce the topic to a broad audience, and in this case, to Tommy's audience, which might intersect with some of the BSD community. And at the same time, you know, if you get too technical or if it's too convoluted, then people might not be able to follow it. So it's a bit tricky, but we got to sure. keep Tommy on 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 the topic before he goes into the next rabbit hole. Sure. Um, I think Tether is interesting. I think you could talk about, um, obviously, uh, all the life experience you have with the court cases and Craig himself. Yeah. Um, I talked to Gerald Deleuze uh, the other day about what would be interesting to be discussed today. Uh, we had a few things, but, <laughs> but it's not that easy, especially in a three-way conversation to get the points across. So uh, yeah. let's... You go with what you would like the audience to get to know about Bitcoin, and uh, I try to jump in and uh, steer the conversation in the right direction. Sounds good. Yeah, um, I think obviously because of your mining experience, but for myself, one of the critical points in my um, analysis about all the different coins and which one might be best and so on and why Satoshi Nakamoto invented it and so on, when I looked at a proof of work system and the mining, um, I was interested in why there would be less and less reward and how that could be sustained over time. And that's what where the complete disconnect is between BSV and, for example, BTC. And I think for somebody savvy with numbers, if they look at it, it just doesn't make sense for exactly. an unsustainable model to go over 100 years and then... You know, yep. people are like, well, in 100 years, my grand 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 uh, daughter will pick it up and, you know, not pay for for it anymore, but the system will still work. And right. that seems futile. Yeah, I, I think that that's really the most important thing is it's it's short term thinking versus long term thinking. Like in the short term, yeah, you know, if, if you weren't sitting in BTC over the last couple of years, like you have an obvious opportunity cost. And so... You know, short-term thinkers look at that and say, like, hey, man, you, you have the opportunity to 10x your money. Like, why would you not be playing that game? And the problem is risk versus reward. And if you look at the risk versus reward, the long-term thought and, and the thing that really matters long-term in Bitcoin is that it remains unchanged in the long-term because it's essentially a commodity money. And a commodity money... A, co a commodity in and of itself, just a commodity by design is not supposed to change. Like if you if you could change gold, what is its value, right? <laughs> so it's the, the ability for gold to store value over time in a way that is predictable is the thing that makes it a valuable store of value. And so <laughs> the problem is that that BTC and the trajectory of BTC Bitcoin demands a change and it, it demands a change and one of two things it either needs to have more supply so essentially inflation inflation would need to be um, introduced or you would need to raise the block size and the reason for that is because security in bitcoin is in very careful balance with every other aspect of it 
So as a miner, I run a mining pool. Uh, we have 15 petahash of, of, uh, of mining power on the pool right now, which is not really a lot, but it's about five or $6 million worth of hash power uh, just in hardware. Um, so it's a significant investment, but we're nowhere near, um, you know, we're not even a 1% player on the, on the hash power scale globally. And um, with that, so I need to be paid for that, right? Like I have a pretty big investment in, okay, how do I pay my electric bill every month and that kind of thing. And so I require a certain amount of revenue to come in. Now, revenue can be a function of a couple of things. It can be the price of the coin, which is what typically people you know, are focused on. It's more profitable if the price of the coin is more valuable, but it doesn't have to be. It can also be how many coins I can earn per hour. And BTC has a hard cap. I can only get as many coins as can fit into six megabytes of data per hour. And that is less than one coin worth of fees per block. And so if I mine BTC, I get 6.25 coins per block right now in subsidy, but that subsidy is diminishing. So the subsidy cuts in half every four years. And so about two, a little less than two years from now, the subsidy will be three and an eighth coins, and then it'll be uh, one and a 16th and, and whatever else. And so um, over time, the price needs to consistently double forever, which in my opinion, it can't. Um, if, I mean, it would, have to, it would have to replace the value of all global cash, all global commodities, all global equities sometime within the next 15 years. And it's like, okay, are we just going to not have stock market, commodities market, all these other things? Like, where is all of this value going to come from and just be absorbed into BTC? That doesn't make sense unless there's a very deeply fundamental change in society. But such fundamental changes mean more than likely violent revolution that I also don't really want to live through. And so uh, so that's probably a, a no-go. And if it is a go, we're probably not going to survive it anyways. Um, but then the other thing is, okay, so how do I squeeze, how do I squeeze more coins per hour or per 10 minute cycle? Because Bitcoin has a 10 minute block time. So in every block, I want to mine more coins per block in fees. Now, because of the one megabyte per block limit on BTC, that, that just has a hard cap as to how many coins I can earn in fees ever. And so there's a limit there. And that limit is going to come into play as the subsidy diminishes more and more and more. Now, so they need to make the decision. Do we raise the block size, which every intelligentsia sort of person that's ever prognosticated about what BTC is, it does, or what it can do or should ever do has said, that's a no-go. We can't do it. That breaks every rule. This is like asking, you know, people at Berkeley <laughs> whether whether people should like the purpose of being alive is just simply to have children and love God, right? You know, like they're just not going to go there. Is as a it solution. okay to love your country? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah not going to happen. Like you might do okay at at another university, but you're not going to start at Berkeley. Like these people have staked their future on. <laughs> <laughs> eat, the, eat, is, the, eat the soy euthanize your kids or whatever exactly give it all over to klaus <laughs> precisely and so you have big blockers which is me this is bsv bsv is bitcoin but with no block size limit and so what that means is like i have mined blocks with my pool that are about four gigabytes of 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 data per block now inside of four gigabytes you can fit about two and a half million transactions 
And for that, my biggest block I ever mined, I actually got more than nine coins in fees. So I get the 6.25 coin subsidy that everybody gets when they mine a block. But I'm, I got another like 60% of all the revenue that I got in that block was from people sending transactions. So that's use. That's fundamental use of the network was the thing that paid me. And it paid me more than the subsidy of the network. And so going forward, at some point, that is going to be the only way to, to make money with this extremely expensive depreciating value ASIC equipment that I have deployed. I, I see your wheels turning. What's up, Tommy? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it, it sounds like we're back at like the fundamental crux of like, like the American empire and every empire before it. It eventually falls back down to, all right, if we just expand it endlessly, it'll survive. And it's like, Romans, us, Greek, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. swell up, collapse under the burden of its. It kind of sounds like that's that's the is that like a universal law where the end game is like we just have to have more people use it. And it's like this is now we're just back to like military bases all over the world. <laughs> or it describes a Ponzi, you know, where right. you always need to bring in more people. I think uh, because uh, Tommy was in the bathroom while we started, basically the discussion is about the incentive model in Bitcoin proof of work mining for miners to mine uh, in the future, say a hundred years from now. And the problem is that, I mean, Kurt can explain it better, but Bitcoin started out having this 50 Bitcoin reward for finding a block. And then every four year it halved from 50 to 25, 12 and a half, six point, so on, so on. And it will go to a point in, 2140 where there's basically no reward anymore and the miners are mining right now because they get a reward and because btc right now as we mentioned last time 26 now it's 20,000 or something has a lot of worth and real value that you get in fiat for mining it if you uh, transact it therefore it's uh, there's incentive for you to do it but if the reward gets smaller and smaller every four years then the price has to go up or double every four years, otherwise you get less and less. And eventually you get to a point where the capital, the market cap of ETC must be so tremendously huge, uh, just to miners can afford to still mine and be profitable. And that model cannot work over a long period of time anymore. And that's one of the fundamental points where I said, oh, this system makes no sense from a design perspective for the inventor to come up with a Ponzi where 100 years later it runs out of reward to even let the system run. So there must be something where you kind of kickstart the system early on and give like the government subsidies that eventually run out and you can run the system on its own just to get the starting point. But it cannot be that you just let the system run for 100 years and once the reward runs out, the system is broken and done. And that's basically the fundamental difference, in my opinion, between BTC and BSV, for example. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but you can do it better and you can jump in there. I just yeah, try no. to mitigate between the two sides, basically. No, I, I think that that's, I, I think that's very clearly said. It's, it's exactly it. It's, you, know, you, you can take a macroeconomic view of it and take, a, take an academic look at, okay, what happens on the current trajectory and there is a crisscross in btc where it becomes 
more profitable to attack it than it is to secure it. And then BSV does not have that crisscross. And so everybody with ASIC equipment, all this mining hardware, when that crisscross happens, they're going to say, okay, where do I pivot? Because I've got an electric bill to pay at some point in the next 30 days. And that pivot just changes. And it changes based on on real economic use. And that's that's the other thing that I, I think just really matters is like, I don't need your money. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't need a market cycle. It really doesn't matter what the price of the coin is. If people if people are are they need to make transactions for their business, then then that's it. The demand is fundamental. Its use is fundamental. We don't win by tricking anybody. We win by people making the decision to make their lives and businesses better and they benefit from it period. And so that's the that's the long game. That is the long-term view on why big block Bitcoin actually matters and the problems that it solves and the way that we become successful in balance. It is only if we are really good at being free market actors and creating excess value for everybody. And so that's that's what I'm hopeful for. Have you ever seen, there's a guy, I tried to get him on the podcast like a year ago, some dude in some former Soviet bloc nation, but he's got all these like graphics cards and he has them running in uh, like glycerin and mineral oil, right? Like non-conductive. And then he's got, he, but he's got those in like freezers, right? And it's like glycerin or like glycerol with like a lower freezing point of water. So it doesn't yeah. freeze, but he's just got this warehouse of these subterranean freezers, these big ice chests. You're like to open up the top full of like mineral oil and all these graphic cards. And he's able to like overclock them to whatever the fuck, because they're all just, they're just having so much heat dissipated from them. Is that like the only way to like turn a dollar? Like, do you just got to go full Iron Man in a cave or like, <laughs> And I know that has nothing to do with what we're talking, but I know very little about this, so I'm struggling to keep up. So I'm going to refer to the the weird Latvian guy I watched last year who won't respond to my emails. <laughs> no, that's that that's that's killer stuff. And frankly, it's it's an endless arms race. It's yeah. it's an efficiency race, and like whoever can be more efficient this year than they were last year is going to get more reward for it. So it's it's a feedback loop that consistently, like it will always reward you more if you're better than the next guy that's that's why after a couple bong rips i've concluded that i really do think this is ai building out its own network it wants us to build more hardware how else would it do it you can't just tell humans hey build this so i can build my brain we're gonna shut it off but instead we're like hey short-term gain every one of their mother's gonna have a graphics card running and it's going to like you said it's going to select for efficiency i think it's I think it's the carrot from the AI. For everybody listening, there's a Bitcoin black pill two-minute YouTube video with that conspiracy. Um, oh, really? Funny one. Yeah, it's about this is, this Craig Wright using BSV. 4chan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's the AI of BTC versus the AI of BSV, both trying to get as much hash power as possible to you know, get get basically the AI ramped up. And it's a battle for which AI will succeed. Um, there's actually some truth to it because AI works or machine learning works on the blockchain. So there are possibilities to use incentive models and AI to 
simulate certain situation. And it will be very interesting because you will have autonomous agents doing work for you in the future. You can pay them and they do X, Y, Z tasks for you. And the better agents will survive and the worse agents will basically disappear because their code is not as good. I know I'm probably driving Kurt up a wall because you're you're an esteemed historian. I'm asking retarded questions, but it's all I got. Hey man, it's, uh... <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm trying. I'm just a guy in slippers. I'm just trying to keep up. No man, that's. I actually hate academics as a rule. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, like fuck man, them all to death. Hell yeah. My 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 skill set is taking really complex stuff and and translating it down so that like average intelligence people can at least understand like what's the shell of what's actually happening here. So that's uh, so it's, it's yeah. good practice. It's the root of the bodhisattva, right? There's two types of Buddhas. There's the Buddha that gets enlightened and then goes, goes off into the woods and just stays in, you know, the Taoist experience, experiential river of bliss for eternity. And then there's the bodhisattva who gets enlightened and goes, Oh man, all these poor fucks around me are still struggling, right? Life is suffering. So you come back and try to help them out. Am I giving you too much credit if I say like you're a bodhisattva of crypto? <laughs> you're like I could just rape them all to fucking death and take all the money and be a billionaire. You're like, or he could, I should... strangle, he could strangle the both of us because he's yeah. A that's what I mean. It's uh, like brown brown bed jujitsu. You could yeah, fuck us to death, and as I poetically <laughs> say, you could fuck us all to death. Or is there like a moral part of you where you're like I've made my I've made my slaughter. Now I got to try to leave like a karma footprint. I, I think I mean for me specifically, and I apologize, my my uh, housekeeper. Uh, it's it's fine. So yeah, I don't. I can't hear shit. I don't hear. Oh, okay, cool. Good microphone. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> but uh, no, for me, it's very much. Um, you know, th- this is a mission for me. I I actually didn't see it as an investment opportunity ever. So it was very circumstantially <laughs> that I I became, you know, wealthy and successful ten years on in Bitcoin. This really was accidental. Um. For me, it's 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 a, obviously a happy circumstance, but I have always been an advocate for business. I'm also quite successful in business. I've been a cybersecurity consultant. I've been in IT. I've owned businesses all over the country. I own commercial and, and residential real estate. Like I'm I'm I kind of don't need any of the nonsense. I'm literally here because like I re- I think this idea really matters, and it's what I want to do with my time. I actually. Like this was my hobby, like talking about Bitcoin and learning about Bitcoin. It really started as a like, hey, here's my side thing because I'm sitting at a computer all the time doing IT stuff. And like when it came time to be like, oh, can I mine this? I'm like, well, I got a bunch of computers. I got a bunch of stuff. Like, let's let's give it a shot. And so I kind of just fell ass backward into it. And then just using some of my other savvy and resources was able to really do something with it. But I've only really been a professional in the space for about two years now. Like I got, I was not a public figure until relatively recently when somebody asked me to do a debate on the Hotep Jesus podcast. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I hopped on and I debated Peter McCormick, who has the most listened to Bitcoin podcast. And I just wiped the floor with him. Like he didn't even know what I was talking about. And so, but, but he knew I was right. And he just, he couldn't do anything about it. And so he just was like, he was blown away, but a bunch of people watched it because it was a hugely popular show. And I just started having people like, hey, Kurt, do you want to come be a commentator for our media thing? Like we do all this stuff in the Bitcoin space. And I, I just accepted one. They were like, 
it was coin geek like basically the biggest of the big blocker group because i was a big blocker advocate they were like kurt man we need we need somebody that talks like you about this stuff can you want to just like like join up and i was like i don't know i guess like i don't really <laughs> i don't need the stress but you know whatever so so it's nice so they they pay for me to go you know go to around to beautiful places around the world and stay in five-star hotels and speak on stage all right well fuck, <laughs> so. well, fuck you too but <laughs> i mean maybe i'm naive and i probably am and i'm sure one day i'll look back at this episode and shake my head but like although he's making a slaughtering it's no coincidence that he's the richest man in the world a gut feeling really based on nothing other than just like a gut kind of in like the base of my reptilian brain. I feel like although he's out for a killing, Elon is also actually trying to make the world better. Maybe I'm a total cuck. I don't know. I th- more so than I, I have nothing against making money. I don't necessarily think Bezos is a good guy, but I like Amazon. So fuck it. Go get your money. Go build your empire. Right. But part of me does think that, Elon might be tra- and maybe I'm I could be totally fucking wrong. Is there any sort of like inspiration from that where it's like you can have your money and kind of try to do the right thing or for you is it just hey yeah, you're just interested in it? I you know because I don't know no I, mean, I can bad, really only speak kind of for like, myself. I yeah. I don't know. I I'm so I'm so far on the other side of like weird sociopaths like I'm I'm actually really bad at judging really bad people. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty good judge of character generally, but then because I see the best in people, I'm kind of a hopeful guy in general. Well, I'm a dipshit optimist. I I I have to I have to be really careful and then write people off early. Like the second I get like a weird sniff on somebody, I'm like if cut I don't out. cut them off right now, I'm going to end up like they're going to cut me into pieces and feed me to the like, you know, their 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 dogs or something. Yeah. And so for me, like, you know, a guy like Elon, like he doesn't pass the smell test. And so, yeah, I I don't like him. There's a lot about him that just is red flags to me. Tell me. I'm not invested Um, in it. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) He, so for one, he's like, um, it's a lot of it is the the promises he makes. Like there's a lot of money to be made in subsidies and in electric vehicle stuff. So like, if you just are an EV company doing some kind of research there's a lot of federal money out there for you to do that stuff and then there's even more state money if you're in a place like california which is why that's where that company started and so i think a lot of this nonsense was like oh it's a fundraising scheme but then he was able to raise so much money on his on memes on really shitty memes actually but like he's such a good marketer and i think he looks like he looks and sounds like the right kind of autistic. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of venture capital are like, we're going to invest in him too. And I think he just finally had enough money to actually hire the right people to build a pretty decent car. And so he just went and did it. And I think, I again, I think he st- stumbled into being successful on that front. And then, and then I think he's basically just been rinse and repeat on every other thing that he's done. It's like, well, shoot, if I just LARP about it enough, maybe they'll give me more money and maybe I can build the next biggest crazy thing. And then it's just, it's basically kept working for him. And so is he an evil person? No, but I, I think he's super shrewd. I, I think he's like, I think he probably started as a brutal, like, hey man, I don't know. Let's let's fling out some golf carts and see how much money we can get from the government. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> it's just kind of worked out. Now yeah. he like rode the meme to multi-billionaire status and like, 
Yeah, richest okay. man in the world. Yep. So the CEO of Raytheon just really pitching that he's a patriot. <laughs> yes. All right, man. Well, All and, right. And it's and it's funny because most people would look at the CEO of Raytheon and be like, man, fuck that guy. Like, like you know, but for some reason, people look at Elon and they're like, no, man. He's That's one the of one. Us. Now, <laughs> right. Bill Gates is Bill Gates is a fucking like a Mr. Rogers depopulation freak. Bezos looks like a cyborg. Zuckerberg is a cyborg. Jack yes. Dorsey's a Marxist, but Elon, baby, the one with yeah. more money than all of them combined, yeah. the one with a foot in the door to the DOD space yeah. budget. That's my guy. That guy is fucking, he's got my back. He's got my back through and through. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, That's right, another kind of random question. Um, I think about the, like, if you're in government, right, and you're in the NSA or whatever, and you can not only have a bigger data center than anyone else, again, it doesn't need to be profitable. You just say, hey, national security, we got to have it, right? It doesn't need to make sense. It's a, it's a beautiful thing if you're them. But you're also at a point where you can like classify your technology to where it's illegal for other people to use it. How long until like a faction of the NSA not only using something that they can have more of because they can use tax money, but would actually like send you to Gitmo if you owned like some sort of whatever sub, whatever nanometer, femtometer, whatever the fuck. At a certain point, I mean, human corruption will will find it and the NSA will just be used. It will be completely co-opted and captured or any other intelligence agency will just steamroll ahead using publicly funded and then national security classified supercomputing power to just completely rape the landscape of any crypto. Is that a, or is that, am I th thinking way too off into possibility? No, I, I think, I think it's a perfectly, I, frankly, I don't think it's the, the easiest way to do it though. I, I think we've seen them be very successful with just, social engineering people into just <laughs> yeah. thinking of it as yeah. like, Hey man, put all your money in this. And like idiot, get idiots get wrecked and whatever, but it keeps everybody hopeful. Like it's, it's literally like starting a weird cult. And then like, I don't know, they're, they're busy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think that's easier. They're not, rev they're not revolting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I know I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry if the, the, you keep right. trying to you keep trying to take it in a direction. I keep asking. I'm wearing like the rainbow colored hat with the propeller. I'm just this. This is good, man. I'm no, the I'm, retard I'm, in the I've, front seat. I was I was always a curveball hitter anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but truth be told, here I think between Kurt that knows a lot, and for example, you that is uh, you know Nothing. heard of it, but has not really put say a thousand hours into it. I think that is the big gap that we need to bridge anyhow. So like if Kurt can explain it to some blockchain expert, that's cool and nice, but it will not help with adoption. But I think if the average, by average, I mean in terms of knowledge about blockchain person kind of gets the gist of it, then we're getting there. It's kind of when the internet was out there and people would talk about TCP IP and this and that. It's like, what, uh, what can I use it for? And it's like, well, email and it's like well i have no email account and nobody else has an email account so this system is you know a waste of my time and then 
eventually there are more and more services and things happening. So then it becomes all of a sudden important and interesting. And I think if you ask the right questions, maybe there's intrigue for you to look deeper into the technology, what it can do for the world in terms of authenticity. Oh, God, I hate this word in English, but you know, to authenticate something and to timestamp it and make sure that it's the real thing and it cannot be, you know, changed or there cannot be altercation on, say, Pfizer documents, for example, in the future if it's uploaded. Um, and uh, there are other areas where... Um... Go ahead, guys. He's under attack. He's fucking... Um, all right, one. so let's just let's somebody just was screaming in the background. I'm like, what? So, well, okay, we'll we'll bring it down to the the most relevant thing. All right, so I've been banned from YouTube. I'm not allowed on iTunes, not for really anything radical. Just talking to Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough. Yeah, uh, I could never make money on YouTube. They never monetized me, despite hitting the requirements. Um, on Rumble, I barely get anything. I'm on Spotify, I get some. I've really only started to make money on this in like the last month since I just put up a Patreon. I don't have Patreon exclusive content. I was just like, you like the podcast, give me a dollar a month. And right. so far, like 200 people have done it. And that's really nice. cool. In a time when Patreon has removed people before, like the journalist Whitney Webb, when all these companies are hopelessly corrupt, they're being, they've got the government hand up their ass, squashing free speech and dissent. Yeah. So Bitcoin will be, would be of interest to someone like me, not just as an investment vehicle, but actually for every motherfucker across the world that watches the podcast and likes it and wants to throw me a few shekels each month. That's something where it would be very beneficial to me as a payment option. Correct? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And, and communications, like, you know, people think of it as money, but it really is money over a communications channel. So, I mean, the other thing you can do over a secure communications channel is, communicate <laughs> and so that, well then you know how long before you have fucking al-qaeda using it and now all of a sudden we're not allowed to use it. it well exactly and this is the this is the balance and these are you know when you talk to i think of who that guy's name there's this one really nasty politician i can think of his first name his last name is sherman and he's always out there like wow well, it's every, everything's terrorist nobody uses bitcoin but terrorists and money launderers and it's like well that's that's not true but, but he makes the point and, and it's like, well, but it's kind of true. And he has some data to back it up. And then you're, you know, you're fighting this losing battle, but it's, it's an interesting problem. Like it, it's just like anything else. It's like, okay, we have mainstream normie nonsense. So you can be on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Right. And that's fine. There's a lot of money there because there's a lot of people there. But if you say the wrong thing or, you know, have the wrong guests or whatever else, all of a sudden you have been ostracized all of a sudden you're one of the the other kind and you're on the outside of the wall right and so th now what now it's like well you know find me on gab you know and it's like oh are you a nazi and yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> well no and and you know so now you're 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 adding hyphens to your existence by not because of, of choice but out of necessity it's just like the same thing it's like if i get you know, evicted from the United States and like, Kurt, you're no longer a citizen. It's like, okay, well, where can I go? That's going to take somebody who's had their, their 
national identity stripped. Like I would basically be forced to go live in a rogue nation, which mm-hmm. then will work as propaganda as like, oh, see, well, Kurt ended where up he in, goes. Right. Look, he's in Iran. What I knew it, you know, and it's like <laughs> really like to just be in here. <laughs> it's like it's like them saying the reason why Chelsea Manning was pardoned and Snowden wasn't was because Chelsea went through official channels. And it's like, yeah, but she was originally sentenced to like 75 years. So right. you're kind of proving that Snowden did it right. Just yeet and then bail. <laughs> Get the fuck yeah. out of here. No, exactly. And it's 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 a it's a serious problem. And like this is why this is why I think the adoption curve of Bitcoin really matters to do it the right way, because it it becomes a communication channel. Like truly, Bitcoin has the ability to replace the internet for not just commerce and payments, but for everything we're doing. Like you can open secure communications channels to do social media and video and all kinds of other stuff. Like anything that you can do on the internet, you should be able to do on Bitcoin. And if that's the case, now it doesn't turn into well, our advertisers really don't like that. You know, if, you know, if Pfizer's of, of an advertiser of ours. So if you bring that up, it's going to be a problem and blah, blah, blah. You know, and then using nodes that are run by Comcast Corporation and AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile and some of these other people. And it's like, okay, how do we, how do we make it that we can have a peer-to-peer internet that is as robust and useful and user-friendly as the current one, but without this weird predatory ad model that then brings the opinions in of essentially BlackRock, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, <Yeah. laughs> so like, of course, you're going to get the BlackRocks of the world who want you to, you know, well, that's not what Bitcoin's really for. Like, here, go look at this thing over here, jingle, jingle. And yeah. like, but really the disruption, the disruption is, Look, we're going to get rid of the we're going to get rid of the choke points and we're going to get rid of the ad model. And the reason we can get rid of the ad model is because instead of you having to sign up for Patreon and have people, you know, connect a credit card and there's some minimum payment, blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah, it can be like, hey, you know what? My my show is is 10 cents a minute and you pay streaming Bitcoin 10 cents a minute and if you only watch 10 minutes, then you only paid for the the dollar that you watched and and whatever you don't you don't have to pay anything else to consume there's no ad there's no ad model that means some other asshole's opinion is is looming over my content and whatever else it becomes peer-to-peer payments peer-to-peer communications and it makes the entire world connected directly you can literally connect person to person globally instead of well it felt like we spoke but i'm going through you know i mean my isp is comcast and then i'm going through some switching station and then it goes to your isp and then all these other things and then it's you know we're using zoom and just all this other big tech nonsense like this this could all be decentralized and and implemented properly but the will to do it has been minimal because there's so much money and power and then there's network effect and things like youtube and twitter and facebook and you don't realize that that's a problem until all of a sudden you log in and you, you know, you had 50,000 fans and oh my account suspended. Like, oh, okay, well I disagree. And oh, I can't disagree. The, the, this is final. Okay. Oh, it's, they're not asking I, you if you agree. I'm a mechanic again. Yeah. yeah they're just, <laughs> so, they're not, they're not asking you to go up against the wall. Yeah. They're saying you, you wouldn't against the wall. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. You know that Wookert is a German name, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, listen. <laughs> listen. Yeah. So, uh, but I think you touched on 
one of the more important parts about the technology is that all these things that are possible, I'm not saying they're 100% coming true, but the possibilities are kind of huge. And right now, there's only the surface being touched on it. And I think, as you alluded to with your ban on YouTube, and I think Robert Malone has his story, but there are now more and more people, um, even doctors who just medically inform about the pandemic on YouTube uh, have issues with the censorship. And usually once this wheel starts, it's not stopping. So as you mentioned in another episode, um, now they have you know other topics that also get flagged. Mm -hmm. And then Patreon and other services that we deem to be for the people during uh, the Canadian trucker rallies showed that you know it's not as censorship resistant as people hoped. So I think it is important for uh, content creators or for people that just want to use services that they have, you know, the ability not to be censored, to be silenced, or to worry about what they can say. Because I think the biggest part and damage that has been done in the last two years is not that Robert Malone has been banned and others, but that the majority of people who might have had critical thoughts about the topic are not speaking up out of fear of retribution. And that is, yeah. you know, going back to the Nazi Reich, where you so, if you speak up, you're in danger of getting killed. In this case, you're probably not getting killed. I mean, we're not talking about the Clintons here, but... Um, it... You want to know something funny? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was up at my parents' house over Christmas break, and and I, I never smoke pot, like once or twice a year, so very low tolerance. And, you know, I, I ate like a quarter of a cookie, you know, two hours later i'm just glued to my bed just like you know watching transformers and i'm just like this is way too fucking much and i'm just overthinking everything and uh i kind of go into like a weird sort of like work rhythm whenever i'm just like working on the podcast i'm just like all right i'm doing something it's not playing video games or it amounts to nothing you know i send the link to somebody at least i'm getting like a couple more views and that will lead to it growing more and it kind of eases my anxiety i don't know if it's based in reality or not it doesn't matter I had the last episode I had done in 2021, or the second to last episode, was episode 651 with Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough. And at that point, I had had Dr. Malone on several times. And finally, after that episode, like, he texted me, and I was like, oh, that's so fucking cool. And I was like, and normally, like, he or McCullough would always tweet the episode immediately, right? And I, my tiny podcast... I in immediately noticed the bump. I'm like, I'm not getting seven views. I got a thousand. Like, yeah, huge, awesome. huge for morale. And if like they ever didn't tweet it, I would always kind of like wait like a couple of days and then like quietly kind of like, hey, can you tweet this? And if they didn't, I, I would drop it. And uh, it'd been a couple of days and I noticed that Dr. Malone hadn't tweeted it. And uh, this was uh, right before he went on Rogan and I knew he was going on Rogan. And I was like, oh man, I got to get him tweeted out. So <laughs> me... I as giraffe pussy, as my college roommate used to say, <laughs> I sent him like my first text and I was like, do you think you could tweet this? And the next morning I woke up and he was banned from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I freaked the fuck out. I thought I got Dr. Malone banned. It turns out I was like the second to last tweet. That has nothing to do with anything, but it was kind of funny. I was high out of my fucking mind. And the next morning, like still a little like, still a little spacey. I saw on like Reddit on the front of Reddit. It was like Dr. Malone banned from misinformation. And I was like, Oh Christ in heaven. No. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah. 
just a fun little side had nothing to do with this. No, it's but but, but it's relevant. It does. Actually, it, no, it, it is. does it's, have it's super relevant. Yeah. yeah, I mean the you what you described was partly the fear that you got somebody kicked off, but Robert Malone posted I think about the critical care lines or something yeah, like that. Yeah, um, Yeah, but the the point is like if you it's if you don't really know why you're getting banned, you know the the angst, the fear that people have for posting content. Yeah. And self-censorship. I think the self-censorship is really the biggest damage that has been done in the last two years when a society is not open anymore, cannot discuss both sides of the coin, cannot, you know, have critical dispute about things. Then we're going down a very bad road. And I think that's where the technology hopefully can help for helping business owners to make sure they cannot just be taken off the grid for the payment rails or say podcasters in the future i think patreon and maybe even spotify would disappear and in comes this new thing where you cannot kick them off easily and also you don't need to apply you can just use the system because there's no third party saying oh kurt your application is denied because i don't like your haircut or because of x y and z and i think that is really important going forward with these um, you know, these, this overreach of big players and governments into mm. our free discussions. You know, I don't want to see banners on Spotify about Tommy's podcast being misinformation. COVID-19. Yeah. That, I, I see a big problem in that. And I yeah. think technology can help us solve it if we let it get there. All right. To play to the, play to the optimist. Um, Kurt, do you see it as maybe a good thing that we're marching towards censorship because what else would wake people up to the need for decentralization right if i'm you know if no one knows the a-bomb's been detonated and it's just me and i'm like yo we got to build nuclear bunkers one's like the fuck is a nuclear bunker just just shoot down the plane versus you see an a-bomb you go oh we do need these hermetically sealed caves underground maybe maybe something like bitcoin wouldn't be you don't appreciate America until you like you become friends with someone who's a first generation immigrant. Like they sure. left Estonia to get here and they look at you like you're high when you criticize America. Yeah. Do we maybe need to tease tease ourselves, get a little taste of censorship, of Twitter banning, of Facebook banning, YouTube banning, not let it go to, you know, the Gestapo banging down your door, <laughs> but maybe you do kind of have to to dip your toes into censorship before anyone starts to realize or value the technology that that blockchain is. I think there's some merit to it. And I, I think that's, you know, seeing it through rose colored glasses, which sure. is ultimately a healthy thing. But yeah. in, in my opinion, you know, I, I look at somebody like Robert Malone, who like I generally like, I've heard him on a few podcasts myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm, not, the whole COVID thing, I, I think, was a lot more a scam than it wasn't. And you know, like for me, it was like, oh, two weeks of lockdown, cool. I'll take a break. I'm in a I'm in a good position to work from home, anyways. That's fine. Like, if we all do this, maybe you know, maybe we're good. Because who knows? I've I've actually my wife is super into epidemiology as like a a thing that she reads about. So when this pandemic started, she's like, okay, here's how this could play out. Like she was not a you know, somebody that was going to be lied to by the media, but it was like, hey, here are the very real risks of, of what this oh, could yeah. be and what this could look like. 
But then, you know, you get a month into it and it's like, okay, well, lockdowns are now double what we were told they were. And very quickly, it's like, pretty sure we all had it anyways. Like, you know, that cold we all got, right? And, you know, and and I'm actually someone, I actually have, I I have some long COVID symptoms that have been bothering me for almost two years. I, I have a, I have a, I'm not going to dox it so I don't get poisoned by my, my enemies, but, but I have, I have a, 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 an organ issue that has, has been a problem ever since. And so, um, so that sucks for me, but that's my life, you know, but here's the thing with, with Dr. Malone is like, I like him and, and I don't know if he's a kook or not. I don't think he is, but it doesn't matter what I think The the problem with censoring him is that censoring him radicalizes the side that thinks he's you know that already thinks that there's a big problem and like radicalization even on something that i think is a generally good thing which is questioning authority like following the money things like this that are you know rational things for people to do like all of a sudden makes it like oh no now now the unhealthy level of conspiracy theorists feel vindicated yeah and then, and then we've got, then we've got the spillover problems of that. And, and like my goal, and this is a Bitcoin goal for me too, is to see all data become depoliticized. And like, I don't care if you're a communist or, or, or a libertarian or a fascist or whatever, it doesn't really matter to me because if we can all agree on the truthfulness of the data, well, then we don't have to have this conversation where it's like, well, he's only saying that because he's funded by the World Economic Forum or by the you know WHO or whatever. Or on the flip side, like, well, he's only saying that because he's funded by this and that. Like, it doesn't matter where the information came from. It doesn't matter who's saying it. If the data itself is just provably public, non non political, non like you can't tinker with it. If nobody can fuck the data up then all of a sudden everybody's political polarization stuff goes away. And this applies to things like COVID-19. It applies to things like global climate change, like all this stuff that we're basing policy on based on presumptions and like, you know, big, big things like, Hey, the the weather is too hot. Here's more taxes. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that's like, (laughs) you know, like this is, this is a data problem. And like, if maybe, maybe the data is, accurate the way that the un says it is and we really do need to do something if that's the case well then i want us to make rational decisions about it but i don't want it to be irrational decisions especially if the data is wrong i tend to think that that the globe is not warming for any reason other than it's a damn cycle and i am not prideful enough a human to say that i'm capable of affecting the 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 climate but but i'm i'm willing to say that like I don't know what I don't know about the entirety of the system, but if that data could be depoliticized, I would like us to be able to make more rational decisions, not based on, well, screw you, you're just a global commie. And so I'm just not going to entertain anything that you want to solve. And then the same thing that their direction, like generally, you know, good natured sort of left-wing people look at, at, you know, somebody who says, I actually don't think global warming is that big of an issue. And they're just like, Oh well, gee, you know who funded you, right? Oh, and well, so fucking Nazi McGee over here, and you're like, wait, what? Right, and so and so it just it lowers the value of our conversations when we can't trust the data. And Bitcoin fundamentally 
raises the trustworthiness of all data to make it that we can depoliticize these sorts of data-based issues. And I think that's a, I maybe over time, the most important aspect of it, maybe even more important than the money aspect of it is like, hey, knowledge, knowledge is just knowledge. It's not just a smattering of opinions anymore. Now, now we actually have facts and that's a good thing. Yeah. And censorship also, uh, it also, it makes them all martyrs, right? And if you get, if Dr. Malone gets censored and he's a wildly intelligent guy and you go, Oh, what the fuck did he get censored for? Well, now you might look at every podcast I do and go, well, Tommy got censored too. And you know, so that means he's an authority. Meanwhile, 30 minutes ago, I'm saying like, could Bitcoin just be a carrot from an AI trying to take over the world? Like it's not based in reality. So it also has, it also gives undue respect to people that just get censored. Like it, just because you get censored doesn't mean that you were telling the truth. Like you might just be an asshole. You might've just been talking about kitty porn, but now people think, Oh, this is, this guy's a PhD. He's got the real truth. You know, they don't want this guy to speak out. And that's not necessarily the case. I don't know, man. Uh, it's a tricky time, but to get to Kurt's point further, I think a lot of the discussion during the pandemic and in other fields would be a lot more rational if the data was better. I think the fact that two years in, we had still have discussions whether masks work or not. And I honestly spend more time than most on the mask topic because I helped to import them in the beginnings of the pandemic to protect uh, employees of my father's company. But to me, even looking at all the data, it was not 100% clear. And now two years later, we have the debate right now in Germany whether it should be re-implemented in airplanes and so on. And the one side says they don't work. And the other side says, of course, they do work, even though it's the same mass. And we have two years of data, but there's no real studies going on that are kind of like really showing what the outcome is. And that is true for many areas in life, where if we had better data and less corruptible data or, you know, those double blind placebo studies where you only pay for them or you let them run as many times as you want until you have the outcome that you favor. That system is very broken because then you get shitty data and garbage in, garbage out. You know, if the study is broken, then, you know, the outcome is meaningless or can be used against people or whatever. So I think better data is for sure good for everybody, especially if it's transparent for everybody to see. And a system where you can have that, harness that, and then, you know, Without permission, people can just look at it and, you know, make their own conclusions for from it. I think that is really important. Also, journalism, you know, and that kind of thing where you have some sort of substack for Bitcoin where people can get paid for writing articles immediately by unknown person. And it's completely safe and secure for both sides. So I think there will be services in the future that hopefully help with, you know, better studies, better data and more, you know, security for those that create content. Yeah. Yep. And then there's also like, we got to, we got to wrap this one up in like, in like five minutes. Um, I absolutely do another one sometime, but then like, you look at all this at like the end of two hours of talking, like, I don't know if we're any more closer to the truth than not. Mm -hmm. Man. Well, he, Kurt has a lot of the truth because he was in 
the place oh, no, I, where I, it happened. I believe Kurt. I've been talking out of my ass for the last two hours. Look, make no anybody listening, make no mistake. Everything I've said is just based on playing the devil's advocate position for no other point than playing devil's advocate. But you you come down to this. There's some like immutable facts, right? Oh, it was lifespan, like 75 years, 80 years. I'm 32. I've got, God willing, four and a half left. You still don't really know what's true. We don't really know if it was a lab-made virus or not. You still don't really know who was pulling the strings behind the invasion of Iraq. You still don't really know what's going on. The reality is, is you're never going to have all the loose ends tied up. You're never going to finish up life and be like, well, that's who whacked JFK. Like, no, you die in obscurity surrounded by mental fog. Like, as Terrence McKenna said, or uh, no, as Ram Dass said, uh, you know, part of enlightenment is learning to sit with the loose ends. You don't, it doesn't all get wrapped up in a bow. You just die yeah. not really knowing if your grandpa loved you. It's just, you never know. <laughs> what would it have been if you asked you out? All right. You don't know. You're gone now. Y'all are part. So you look at all of this, you kind of just... Man, it, so why wouldn't you just try to just cash in on Bitcoin and fucking retire if it's all just <laughs> this fucking crapshoot? Yeah. Well, and I, I, th- I think there's got to be a part of your portfolio that is exactly that. Like, it's, they're just yellow. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> fucking wing it. Yeah. And like, and that's okay. You know, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to win in life. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, the most important thing is actually just gumption. Like it's, it's your, like you wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm not going to lose today either. And, and yeah, you know, when you look at like truly successful CEOs and stuff, I had this conversation on another podcast the other day and they're like, you know, what do you think of these really brilliant? Like, why aren't more smart people write about these things? And I'm like, man, like look at the actual credentials of a lot of the people that become oh, very yeah. successful. Like they're jocks. They're guys that are good at being like, you know what? Fuck it. Moving the ball down the field, you know? And it's like, okay. Like, there's nature selects for that. Nature (laughs) selects for just not quitting. Yeah. That's the only reason why this podcast is still going is because I am fucking egotistical and testosterone flooded enough to think that I can take on YouTube. Like, you need that delusion. Yeah. It's valuable. It is a valuable delusion. Yeah. Like, you have to be moderate. You got to know how to talk to people. You can't just start yeah. saying like racial slurs. You got to know that you have to wear pants in public. But right. man, aside from that, like you don't need to be able to understand how to build like a an engine bell like cone. Like you got to get rich enough to hire the guys to know how to build it. Yeah. That's kind of it. It's just don't give up. I don't know how we're getting onto this now. Some weird motivational speech, but like <laughs> right. it's just it's just. Don't give up. I don't know. Next on Lifetime. <laughs> it, seriously, but it's the just, voice works. The voice works. Yeah, no, it really did. That was a beautiful. That was a beautiful voice. But even that, I mean, yeah, you could, you could then play that piece of advice and like, you know, you played over the video of like a school shooter and be like, he just didn't give up. He just fucking, <laughs> he just planned day in and day out. He worked around the gun laws. He got a three D printer. He had the gumption. He said, I'm walking into that elementary, you know. It's well, just like, that I don't have the gumption either. too, you know. Obviously, not not all goals are worthy goals or I, goals I know. that should be achieved. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly not condoning. But there is some, you know, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. He designed those spike proteins to make this a virulent virus to take over the world. I mean, 
Yeah. And now, 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 Kurt's just sort of second guessing why is he coming on this podcast in the final two minutes. <laughs> right. I, I think he started two hours ago. But hey, man, who does? I warned him. I warned him. Um, Fine. I'm uh, good at treading water with the sharks. Yeah. I know that we probably haven't gotten any closer to the truth. And, uh, well, I think some of your questions are by not, you know, being informed, but I think that's the majority of the population right now. It's like, oh, they heard of it, but they have not really used it. And they think um, if they had more money, they would invest some of it in it, and then it would hopefully go up and they would be rich. But that's not really what it's about, in my opinion. And I yeah. think that's why the conversation is important. And as I explained a few times now, I think the intersection of people that listen to Robert Malone and Peter McCullough and so on through you, those are the people that are interested in, you know, understanding things better outside of what an expert tells them. And in Bitcoin, if you or in blockchain, if you go inside, you hear all these people telling you how to get rich and how to sit on the coin. And then 20 years from now, you can retire. And it, it's mostly a scam. And I think it's important to introduce people to a different viewpoint. They don't need to follow it. They don't need to believe it. But um, a lot of the information is on the internet. And Kurt also writes a blog and so on. So people can ask him as well for sources. And I think once people go down the rabbit hole, it's, it's not as obvious um, as the official narrative makes it sound like. And I think a few points were addressed today. And I think some of your questions are the majority questions of the audience. It's like, okay, like IP to IP, IPv6, how, how is this getting me rich? And it's probably not. And that's why BSV might not be a good investment, but the technology, if it works in the future, could be life-changing and could be very disruptive. And people that are listening now could maybe build something on top of it or be early when it starts. And that's Maybe not for everybody, but some people in the early days of the internet were like, huh, I don't know what works right now, but, you know, books could ship over the internet. You know, people could order that and I can try that. And then others came in and had other services. And eventually we have this big tech industry that 30, 40 years ago was not ex non-existent. So I think this might happen on Bitcoin at a much larger scale and in a shorter time period. Anyway, <laughs> I think you nailed it. <laughs> Wrap everybody. Well, Kurt, I'd love to have you on again, man. Friedrich, you as well, as you know this. Frederick, Frederick, Frederick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now you know what the podcast is, Kurt. It's a. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's certainly not structured. Really has no bottom-out threshold or ceiling. I don't know, and I'm always about as confused at the end of it as I am in the beginning. So, I don't know. I try to fucking laugh along the way because I don't understand it at all. Well, you have Jack on, I think, tomorrow, so it will be interesting because he can tell you about the history of stuff like the the tulip mania and speculation bubbles and so on. Yeah, the but better, there are some the aspects. The story is the South Sea bubble. Yeah, like that he will dude... tell you about that one. Yes. Yeah. South Sea bubble? Yes. Should I ask about not going to spoil it. Ask him tomorrow. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. The South Sea Bubble is, is a killer story. <laughs> we, need, we need to start Sla a bubble. Slaving, slaving and whaling is an industry that will never go out, Tom. Hell just yeah. so you know, man. <laughs> I think my takeaway from this is I need to make a TPC coin and beat some motherfuckers over the head. 
2017 and you would have been a multimillionaire. Infomercials. Fucking Just need a white paper and a good website on which. Fucking, I'll still do it. There's no bar amount for this podcast. There's no level I won't stoop to. Me and Dr. Malone shilling TPC coin at 4 a.m. on channel 900. Actually, that is not a bad idea because, you know, a freedom podcast on something like a decentralized cryptocurrency like Solana or some others that have a lot of funds, the audience might just give you donations and they they might have deeper pockets than the average listener. So it might actually work. I mean, there are people becoming filthy rich doing that stuff. I mean, Hodel or not got a million in donation for the court case the other day asking around. So who knows? Maybe try that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like defense contractor is really the only real bet. That's kind of the black pill. At the end of the day, do you just invest in Raytheon and you're always going to win? Well, I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's not wrong. Anyhow. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap let's this bitch up. the next one, yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd love to have you both on again. Thank you for your time. Uh, yeah. Kurt, if you could, in our email chain, if you could send me whatever you want me to put. In oh, the, and in the Kurt, you can plug yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can find me at kurtwilkertjr.com. Uh an author with coingeek.com. I do the CoinGeek weekly live stream where I take live questions from the troll box about Bitcoin. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and a whole bunch of other places. And uh, I answer almost all of my DMs. So don't be afraid to send me one. Could you like, uh, as soon as we're finished with this, so you don't forget, could you just, in the email, could you just send me like just a list of the copy-pasted links you want and yeah. I'll put them in the description? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure, and uh, sorry for my brain-dead, mouth-breathing questions, but uh, I had a good time. I hope you guys did too. Take care, everybody. God bless.